What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to merrybraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you to the Hustle and Grind podcast. I'm your host, Noah Bloomberg from Inneat River Forge. With me, as always, is Ryan Coakley from Ryan Shadborn Knifeworks. And today, we have the people that you just heard about in that ad. We have Eric and Kevin from Ameribraid. And welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Good to be back. Good to be back with you guys. Yeah, buddy. And thanks to Koi. We need we need to really send him a care package for that awesome ad he recorded. Yeah, it sounds so good. <laughs> yeah. I want to get one of those machines. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what you said last time you were on the show? I think so. I think so yeah. <laughs> I was it's the same it thought. Listen, I don't remember. It's an honest thought that came to my head. So that's what it is. It's the soothe and the smooth and silky sounds of Koi Baker. He just he just has that radio voice. I think we talked about this last time. We were talking about Coy Baker ASMR. That's that probably what familiar. Off the last. Yep, that sounds yeah. familiar. Do you yeah. guys are in a repeat episode? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> listeners. Oh, we'll go off the tracks soon. Yeah. I'm sure. Jokes on you. We have no memory whatsoever, <laughs> and uh, the only thing that exists is the thing that's in front of us. Uh, until some someone reminds us that there's another thing behind us as well. Because that's how everyone around here operates. You're talking Chinese to someone stuff. else with no memory, so that's good. Yeah. yeah. How have you well, guys been? So, good. good. I've been busy. Busy as hell. I'm so freaking tired. I uh, time in the shop. Oh my gosh! So yeah. So last week I spent every waking moment that wasn't at my day job in my shop at home. Because uh, I was going to a local maker's market and I've been involved with this maker's market since its conception. I've just been uh, part of the planning committee um, trying to figure out how to do it and where to do it and everything. And it's been pretty successful in the past. Um, less so last year. The first year was pretty excellent. Uh, and this year we wanted to change some things up. There's a particular park in Eniat that I really wanted it to be at because it's got a lot of visibility. And so this year we changed it to that. And then, of course, the first time that it happened, I was at Blade. So I missed the first one. And so I'm like, OK, well, I'm definitely going to be there for the second one. And then uh, the Saturday before that happened, I got a message from a customer and they wanted to come buy all of the knives that I had available. Which is 
it's fantastic. It's it's um, it's amazing. I love that. Uh, I don't love the timing. Uh, so then I had zero knives available uh, for this maker's market that I was planning on going to. So my goal was 16 knives. I think I ended up with eight. So I think precisely half of my original goal or no, seven. I think I only had seven. So a little less. But uh, but yeah, I've been uh, working 16 hour days between my day job and doing that. And then I you took a day a off today, batches, right? You work like batch work with your knives. I, not usually. No. The, um, so I do batch work when it comes to like my EDCs. So I got the, the shotgunner V2 and those are, I can crank those out pretty easily. Um, so those, I had a few of those, those were fine. Um, but the larger, I brought some chef knives. I had, uh, my first integral, uh, I brought to that show, uh, that was a Damascus integral. It was just kind of a camp knife. It was a lot of fun to make. Um, aside from the grinding aspect, which is hopefully going to be fixed now, because just today I received a package, uh, from this company you might've heard of, it's called Ameribraid and they make an integral grinding attachment that is, I don't think anyone else makes something quite like this. I don't think, I don't think anything else like this on the market exists. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but this integral attachment is freaking amazing. And I watched this video that Eric put up on uh, on their website. So if you go to Ameribraid uh, website, you can check out the WIP attachment. So it's waterfall integral plunge plunge. Thank you. Um, yeah. And there it's so adjustable. And so like, there's so many different things you can do with this attachment and I've been wanting one for a very long time. And so I finally have that in my possession. I'm going to set it up and get that thing going. Cause I really want to get going on integrals this year. And without them or without an attachment like that, they are difficult to grind. I mean, I know I've seen other guys have rigged up their own with like skateboard bearings and like a piece of flat steel and some other stuff. Um, But it just does not have the versatility that you have with this particular attachment, which I am super excited to, uh, to use. So, yeah, I think you'll like it. I saw you tagged us. I'm glad you got it. Uh, uh, Ryan's waiting on some stuff from us too. I think. Yeah, I was just <laughs> gonna say it got here super fast. I mean, I understand like Washington to California is not that far, but dang, it got here real quick. You were but messaging yeah. both of us on the Marabrade Instagram account, but one of you <laughs> was talking to me, and one of you t- was talking to Kevin. I'm not sure. I want to say who you, which who was talking to who, because one of you got a better. Uh, <laughs> did you guys already talk to each other about that yeah that's well, fine that's to, totally uh, cool man <laughs> no i we're always flying by the seat of our pants and sometimes we most of the time we talk everything out between each other hey how much do you feel comfortable doing but this time i was like you know what i don't know what kevin's good with so instead of talking to him about it i know he'll be good with this so i just went for it and yeah, he did the I same got, thing but yeah, his line was a lot further like, screw it i love these guys give them a good deal <laughs> <laughs> and i don't and, yeah. not as much it, as i do apparently so you guys remember it, that. oh so i was talking to kevin <laughs> yeah yeah no no no. the other way it's, around noah got the better deal right yeah yeah, yeah. no ryan was talking to me i was the one being the, the cheap ass apparently i'm sorry okay, so, I like, so, I, so i like kevin more than in this relationship is that what i'm getting at well it's the, I did throw in a knife stand though for Ryan. It's true, so it's all fair. Oh, I think it. And, an, 
in all honesty, we've already come to our agreement on like the sponsorship and the podcast. I don't expect any further discount. So anything that you guys throw at us is awesome. It's totally, you could give me 5% and Noah 50% and I wouldn't say a <laughs> fucking word. Yeah. Well, we love you guys. It was cool getting to hang out at Blade Show. Yeah. Finally got to hang out. It was. I, I, was... I, I wish I was able to spend more time on Saturday, but I had some obligations. Next year, I'm going to plan it differently. So, Well, we're pretty busy in the booth anyways. The pit's really the time that we're available to just chill. And yeah. Talk. And we need to figure out like a, it's so hard too. There's so much like sometimes we get to the pit late and there's so many people we want to see and talk to, but then we're just so like, as you guys probably saw and like Eric's talking about in the booth, we are just from, from open from before open till after close, we are just slammed in the booth. We don't get to do anything. So we're always the last ones in the room. The security is like, you guys have to leave <laughs> people keep coming by and talking. I felt bad. I I wanted to throw a shirt on and like help talk to people for you guys because <laughs> each each one of you had ten people around you and you're trying to show the same machine. They're all like right up on you, like in your face. The hardest yeah, thing I was, for me is not being rude when like someone's been standing there waiting for a long time, but to talk to one of us. But then you don't want to cut the conversation short and be rude to that person. But then you feel like you're being rude to the person waiting. So I always struggle with that. It shows. So sorry yeah. if I didn't have anybody. I don't mean to. It's almost, like, it's almost like you got to take a step back and just speak to the crowd. Almost. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yeah. like, almost like almost like to so many people, you can't focus on one person. You kind of just have to like step back and talk to everybody. But that's mm -hmm. hard at blade too. Cause everybody wants that face to face personal connection. Yeah. Sometimes demos go that way where you're talking yeah. to multiple people, but you always get pulled into little one-on-one -on -one side conversations. It's um, yeah, usually certain people trying to buy multiple things. And it's that one conversation that each want to go, you know, their way to buy what they need and ask the questions that they need. That's tricky. You know, when it starts going I, down that path, I felt bad during Jason Knight's grinding class. You guys did because <clears throat> I'm watching him from the stands and I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to learn anything sitting back here. So I like got right up on him on the he outside of the tent. Too. Oh, did yeah. he? Okay, cool. Yeah, right. I was like, am I, am I that weirdo? That's like, yeah, because like you have to see what he's doing yeah. to like pick up the nuances of a master's grinding. And so I was like, oh, I got to kind of get up in here. And, and honestly, on. from from where we were standing, Ryan, we were actually able to see a lot more than we would otherwise because of the way that he was holding the blade was very uh integral very integral like, to what he was doing because he was torquing the blade in a certain way when he was talking about that sweeping plunge yeah. and the way that he goes about that it has a lot to do with the way that he's holding the tang rather than the way that he's pressing the blade and so you wouldn't have been able to see that from the stands so for people who weren't at blade they had a tent set up by this line this fucking mile long line of thousands of people waiting to get into the venue and uh Noah and I are standing in between the grinding class and that line. And I don't know if you guys could smell it, but like a few times there was a waft of like potent weed. Oh, I'm just used to that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but like me and Noah, I looked at Noah and I was like, you fucking smell that. And he's like, yeah, that's really strong. I was like, somebody's partying. It's eight yeah. o'clock in the morning. I remember that. Somebody was wake and bake. Yeah. That was a, a bold strategy, Cotton. 
That was an interesting morning. It was the first day of the show, and uh, they were at, they asked us to do that class, and we set up. We asked Jason Knight to actually teach it because like nobody wants to hear from us about how to grind. Like we'll tell you how to set up the machine, but we have no place telling people how to grind bevels or anything. So like we do a little bit, but not at the level that we should be teaching it. So that's why we right. pulled in Jason and he was in good communication. He responded right away and was on top of it. But then like the night before we were trying to coordinate with him and just, I think he was out having a good time and <laughs> we we're freaking <laughs> out. Like, what are we going to do if he doesn't show up? Did he remember yeah, that he was we supposed to be there? We're like, is Jason, you know, Jason Knight? Like, oh, yeah, he was at the uh, pit last night. He looked like he's having a good time. We're like, is he going to get up at like 7 in the morning or 6 in the morning for this? Yeah. And we still hadn't <laughs> heard from him that morning. And we're rolling the machine out and calling some of the coordinators. And they're like, we'll get a hold of him. And he was there waiting for us. But we never got a hold of him. So that was a little nerve wracking. Yeah. Uh, that's but, funny. But as usual, he was like, nailed it. Yep. Yeah. He's a free spirit, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, you can't control him. Yeah. 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 Watching him grind was very interesting because, like, he's so advanced now. He doesn't need to mark center lines or anything like that. Like, I grind off a work rest. He doesn't need a work rest. He just walks up and boom, does a fucking perfect bevel. I'm like, God, there's levels to everything that, you know, he's just so far above the rest of us. It's crazy. Yeah. It was fun to watch. I was running around a bit trying to get tools to set him up the way he wanted, but um, the little bit I did get to see was fun to see him do it. Yeah. 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 And I, I appreciate you guys. I got to meet almost everybody I wanted to meet, and it was mainly thanks to you two. So it was, it was fucking awesome. Oh, really? What did um, we have to do with it? They were all in your booth. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it and, and it helps to break the ice with some of these bigger names if you're like, we're sponsored by the same company. They're like, oh, you must be legit. Little do they know I'm a flea bag. But <laughs> it was nice. Like Mareko's super nice, super thank awesome. You, thank I you did, for legitimizing us. We appreciate that, is what, we, what yes, he's trying to say. Mareko legitimized you, legitimized us, and Mareko legitimized us on the last uh, Knife Talk podcast. Oh, really? He's, well, he's you anyways. Me, but, you know, you're on the show with me. But he goes, Ryan Coakley is not a flea bag. And I said, fucking thank you, Mareko. Did you bring that up in the booth with him? Uh, uh, Brigham did. Brigham Kendall. He was okay. like, this is right. You know, I introduced. He goes, oh, I've heard of you, which blew my fucking mind. And then Brigham was like, he's the host of the Hustle and Grind podcast. You know, the, one of those flea bag podcasts. <laughs> So, yeah, that's cool. What do you guys think of uh, the kind of layout we did with showing work in our booth instead of just machines? Oh, that was, it was fantastic. Awesome. The the, mm-hmm. the turntables you guys had were freaking awesome. I loved those. It, it was super high class. And those knife stands were like just the right mix between like finesse and like an industrial look. I, th- I thought those were really cool. They really fit the bill for the for the yeah. booth. No, that was when we first started designing them, we were going a lot fancier, and we we're like, "Oh wait!" Luckily, we had the thought like last minute before we started making more progress on the design. We we're like, we kind of don't want to distract from the knife too much, so we kind of need to minimize the look of it a little more, so that the knife is what stands out. So, yep, it's perfect. Um, I was happy the way you guys did it was perfect. Yeah, because they're very minimalist. 
you know, and it, it all it, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Support the knife. That's it. Yeah. It's perfect. And we were having a hard time figuring out what size of blades everyone was bringing. Because a lot of those guys were like, like Mareko finished his knife the night before he flew out. Yeah. Like, so a lot of them didn't even know. And they were pivoting last minute changes to the knife. So I was like, how big of a knife are you bringing? They're like, I'm not sure. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I guess I got to just design something that'll work with anything. So uh, I was a little scared for a while on some of like Josh uh, Prince's big ones. I was like, please don't drop it. Oh my gosh. But <laughs> his yeah. His was pretty big, the one he had on he display. Had I don't know if you saw. He was he kept rotating. He kept them in yeah. the back. And he probably had like ten knives. How many? Yeah. I was gonna say. I was like, how many knives did he have? He had a ton of them. He kept swapping them out every time I came to the booth. There was a different one out there. It was <laughs> yeah. awesome. We ended up with two of them. Ooh. Oh, oh! Yeah. I surprised me with uh, one that was a real. It was a. Uh, in, like the integral handle, like a blacksmith knife kind of thing, but you saw his. It's his. Oh my gosh, the one that had like the spider web type pattern on it that was like yeah, really like deeply etched. Real shiny nickel, really deeply mm. etched. Yeah. So I've been using that one. Mm. I used That's, it to chop uh, it in today for our little 4th of July work barbecue. Nice. Works good. That's fantastic. Yeah. See, I, I, I stood there and I actually had a pretty good conversation with uh, Josh Prince. He was super cool to talk to. I mean, he's such a chill guy, just like be able to just like talk about random stuff. And I mean, really kind of talking about his. What's the word here? I always do this. I can't think of the words that I'm trying to use here, but like kind of his like his motivation and like his style, sort of everything that like he thinks about when he's going into making a blade and he's just got such a cool way of looking at the knife as a piece of art and I, I, the way that he, he goes about making them. It was super cool. So we're going to try and have him on the show. I talked to him about it at the show. Oh, good. And, oh, good. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a so super cool guy. To. Yeah. He's really chill. Um, so mellow, super humble, just loves the art of it. And he's not afraid to just experiment with stuff. Like half the stuff there was just to show off an experiment that, um, like in some new technique that it wasn't uh, supposed to be perfect. It, like even, I don't know, I think he was a little more, not embarrassed, that's the wrong word, but like he's aware of the imperfections, but he just wants to show like the, whatever he, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying it well. <laughs> The, it's all good. He had a vision yeah, of one, one thing, and even if, ignore all the imperfections, and I wanted to show you what I got out of this technique. Yeah, he's I appreciate super that because vision out there. was the word that I was looking for before. So thank you yeah. for saying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. We had a lot of late night conversations with him in the Airbnb. He was cool. He makes great coffee, by the way. Oh yeah. He makes the best coffee. <laughs> he made Fantastic. coffee for everybody, like every morning and every night. Yeah, and. Every, yeah, every night. Too. And he has to make it like one cup at a time. So you got to like take it apart and clean it and put it all back together and then make a cup. And he did that for like 10 people twice a day. Yeah. Holy wow. shit. Wow. Yeah. What kind Fancy. of uh, what kind of coffee maker? was he using like an arrow press or like a French press or what was he doing? No. Oh, dang it. What do you call it? It's almost like it's, a percolator. It's but... stovetop. Um, makes a really concentrated shot. Um, it's like a percolator, but 
different, smaller. It only oh. does it once. The percolator keeps. Yeah, this one like it. the water's in the bottom, and once it boils up through the coffee, it yes. goes through the coffee once, and then it's in the top chamber, and it's done. Yeah. I don't I'm know. Trying to remember the it. name of it, but I don't think I'm going to. I think it's an Italian name, so it's fine. It was really I, good. I didn't. I didn't get to meet him because um, when I was at the booth, when he was there, there was like a hundred fucking people in between me and him. And so like we made eye contact and I did like a what's up, bro. <laughs> and, and and he did a what's up, bro, back. And that, that was as close as I could get. Um, Neil Kamimura, I fumbled the bag on that one. Um, oh, yeah, I, I just like I was so intimidated by going up to talk to him for some reason. I just didn't. Like I stared at him for a minute and I was like, ah, oh, shit. He looks like he doesn't want to talk to me. Okay. <laughs> like, I just, you know, I didn't want to bug He's him. He's actually really good he, at talking to everybody. Yeah. Um, surprised because he does get worn out, but he will get into details about no matter what level you're at, he'll just talk about at your level about knife making or whatever you want to talk about. Oh yeah, and uh, I had just left the pit, and he had he came into the pit and was like talking to everybody. I'm like, oh, see, fucking missed it twice. I'll get him next year. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he spoke to our buddy uh, Jeremy and gave him some really cool tips for layering, doing like layups for Damascus and stuff. So Jeremy's doing some experimentation with that, and he actually made a really cool Damascus knife. Um, if anybody out there isn't following four one nine forging. Go check out his most recent knife that he just snapped off in a vice because he got pissed off at it. The pattern came out really cool. Um, that was my idea. That was, <laughs> but anyways, the the point is, is that yeah, I mean, so we we even know somebody who was who was talking to Neil and who got some cool cool tips from him, and it resulted in like an hour long conversation back at the Airbnb when all of us should have been asleep. Uh, talking about different Damascus patterns and like ways to like implement different layer layups into different patterns and all this crazy stuff that I sh- I should have been asleep because I I okay. did not wake yeah. up the next morning I was I was late to the airport and I was super stressed about getting on my flight. Uh, that was scary. I was already yeah, it was like until late like ahead. two in the morning every night we didn't go to bed. Oh yeah. At least. Two, if not yeah, later, two or three in the morning every day, and then yeah, get up. Long days. Yeah, that was us too. I was so sleep deprived. Like knowing I had to be up at four a.m. to get to the airport to get on our planes on time. You made and it though. It was like it, we made it. It was like four thirty, and I was like, "Noah, you up?" And he's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> and so we scrambled. I dropped him off at 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 departures, and I went and put the rent a car away. I don't know if I'll do a rent a car again. I almost hit a lady and that was kind of like you had the realization of, oh shit, my trip just might have gone really bad there for a minute. You know, no, you wreck your rent a car. Yeah. Ubers are do just you lose so your... hard to get every back yeah. and forth everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm They're... sharky about that. Oh, didn't he get left by his Uber? No, his, his his he had a, like a fault with his Uber app, so he couldn't uh, he couldn't leave Blade at like two in the morning on Saturday, <laughs> or no, it was Friday. I think it was Friday. Yeah, he he got left, and so he he couldn't get back to his Airbnb. Uh, it was a it was a fun story. Oh jeez, that's but a anyways, nightmare. Oh, for sure. 
Oh, Ryan, do we want to hear from uh, one of our other sponsors real quick? Sure. This is Lawrence Let's... Lake. He's a great guy. Maritime Knife Supply. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Hey. Thanks, hey. Luke. Hey. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm waiting on some steel from Lawrence. Just a reminder to any guys out there, I know I've been talking about integrals, but that's my current obsession, so get used to it. Uh, I'll be on to something next week or the week after, I'm sure. Um, he's got this hexagonal, um, I think it's 1080 or 1084 um, bar okay. stock that he's got there. And it is super good for that sort of stuff. So I'm super excited to get that uh, get that going. And then, of course, don't forget that if you order steel by the foot there, you can get it chopped up for your Damascus billets. And he will cut it all for you before he sends it. You can't buy it in the, the four-foot bars. You have to buy it by the foot. Um but he will cut it up to size for you. And that is a huge time saver for me. Nice. Um, also, nice, he's yeah. carrying a new new uh, line of uh, lubricants and stuff for all of you folder guys out there. Uh, if you go to Maritime Knife Supply, it'll be right up there on the homepage. Um, Knife Shield, Corrosion Preventer, uh, KPL, a few different other ones. So um, just make sure you, he's always bringing in new stuff. People say, hey, we wish we could buy this. And then Lawrence just carries it because that's the way that he is. He takes care of his customers. So always be sure and uh, keep an eye on what he's got coming up new and interesting stuff. He's always seems to be everywhere. He must know everybody to get all the stuff, all the connections for getting all that stuff in his store. Sounds, sounds yeah. tiring. <laughs> it does yeah. sound tiring. He, he, he seems to be at every event. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you He's guys doing Maker Camp? Uh, are you doing Maker Camp? I Maker think Camp? we'll be at Blade West instead this year. Oh, okay. They're not. They don't overlap, but they're so close together that you kind of have to pick. So I was considering going to Blade West. I might want to do that. As soon as as soon as I got back from Blade, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that was such an amazing time!" I don't want to wait another year to do it again. So I started looking at the events calendar. I'm like, oh, can I make it to Texas? Can I make it to the Blade West? Because that's in Oklahoma. No, not Oklahoma. Utah, right? Utah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Utah. I want to try and make it down for that. I don't know if it'll actually happen, but that would be a lot of fun. And now that I know that you guys are going to be there, it's more incentive for me to try and make it. Did we get a spot? Yeah, we'll definitely be there. Okay. So it was kind of funny. One of our dealers was calling to ask if we would be there and news travels really fast. Apparently he was like, I just don't want to bring a bunch of you guys' equipment. If you're going to be there anyways, we're like, uh, yeah, we think we'll be there. And then like five minutes later, uh, we got a call from blade show. They're like, we just heard that you're going to be at blade show. You haven't reserved a spot. Like, are you coming? We're like, yeah. Can we get a spot? So I forgot. I told them we were coming and I do this every time. And then I forgot to reserve the spot like right away when they sent me the thing. So, yeah. And we get busy and it's so hard to, there's so many shows and it's like, which one should you go to? And with all these shows, like you got to know months or a year in advance, like 
SEMA's in November, and we had to decide like four months ago if we were going to go to SEMA again this year. Yeah. And we're just like, ah, uh, right, I can do it. So SEMA's a tough one. Yeah. So long. Blade West will be the ultimate test for Lawrence Lake. If you guys see him at Blade West, then he is the Blade Show champion. <laughs> That'll be he, magical because I'm sure he'll be at uh He was at Maker Camp, Camp last year. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, he'll probably cool. be there instead. He was asking me if I was going to go to Maker Camp. I haven't decided yet. I'm trying to get my wife to go with me because I feel like that would be something she might actually enjoy also. Um, That'd be cool, yeah. But I don't know. You got kids? Yeah, they're teenagers, so. Oh, okay. They still might like it. Yeah, they're still like it. They're themselves, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, they can can watch the dogs. Yeah. Yeah, Maker's Camp was fun. We went last year, and um, we just got... We're workaholics. We don't, we don't do. Oh, really? We don't get excited about anything if we can't work, like while doing it. Yeah, we were really awkward. <laughs> just we walked around the whole show with our hand. Like I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, like we yeah. didn't want to get sidetracked in some of the projects because we wanted to be able to talk to people. Stuff come up. We didn't want to leave and be like, "Cool, I have this thing that I made," but I didn't talk to anybody. Yeah, it's so, a double edged sword because we never get to talk to anyone. But while we were there, and we weren't there officially with a Maribird. We we're just there with, you know, as ourselves, we, you know, like, all right, we should talk to people, but we just, all we do is have these ideas. Cause it's a fun event. It's, you know, it's a maker's camp. You're supposed to be there making stuff. And, uh, or I don't know what their motto is or whatever, but that's what we started getting out of it. So like, what can we, you know, if we help, if we sponsor this or something, what can we start making or what can we do? And yeah, we spent the whole time talking about what we want to do next year. And now we're probably not even going to go. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> Well, that's okay. So, I, it's 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 cool that you brought up the fact that you guys are workaholics because I, obviously, a lot of us are. So I was out in my shop one of the days this last week, and I was just grinding and grinding and grinding knife after knife. And I started wondering, it's like, why am I doing this? And so then, my head started kind of going through like this whole thing of why am I doing this? And so I really, I quickly realized that I wanted to ask this question on the podcast, especially with you guys being on here, because you guys are some of the busiest, hardest working guys that I know and Ryan, you as well. And so I kind of want to put the question out, not only to you guys, but also, also to the listeners, because I, I figure, you know, I've, I've, I've had to re-answer that question for myself throughout the years. And there was a defining moment in my life that really answered it the best for me. So I know what my answer is, but I'm curious to hear what your guys' answer is. And I'm really curious to hear from the listeners. And I'm so curious that I'd actually like to throw that out to you guys to either DM uh, me. Actually, yeah, just DM me. Um, don't don't bother Ryan with this because this is my idea. And I haven't even talked to Ryan about this at all. So uh, <laughs> shoot me a DM. Why is it that you do what you do? And we'll read out some of the responses on the show. Uh Probably not next week, probably the week after. Um, but I'm really curious about that. Like, why is it that we do what we do? Because there are easier paths in life. I mean, I I could have worked in a number of different industries. And it, in, at the end of the day, I could just work at my, my eight-hour job and then come home and relax every day. But I don't. And the reason that I don't is because I'm not happy unless I'm working. I'm not happy coming home and sitting in front of the TV. Like that's not what brings me joy. What brings me joy in life is working 
and seeing the things that I make. And that's always been a defining feature of my life because when I was between the age of 12 and 16, I was stressed because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I didn't know how I was going to work and provide for a family. And then when I finally figured it out that this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to make it freaking happen. You know, like that's been this defining characteristic that I've always had. I've had a job since I was 12 years old. I've always worked. This is what I do. Um, and that's, that's who I am. I'm the guy that gets up every single day and I work. That's what defines me. That's what I find joy in is working and creating things. And I wouldn't be happy sitting down at the river. I mean, it's, it's right over there. I could just walk to it. I could just go sit down by the river and put my feet in the water, but I don't want to. Like I want to be in my workshop working because that's what brings me joy. That's what brings me satisfaction. Um, what about you guys? Like you guys work. I mean, your, your workshop is basically your, your, your house, Eric. Like, why did you do that? What, what, what was it about your day job that made you want to work way harder and way longer to make this happen? Yeah. That's a good question that we talk about a lot in length. And the tough thing is we always try to narrow it, boil it down to like a real concise version. The nice thing about this is we can have a conversation about it yeah. in a little longer form, but we always struggle to boil it down because there's so many aspects to why you do what you do. It's hard to answer in a real short phrase. Yeah. And but, sometimes yeah. you're not a hundred percent sure you don't, you know, you don't see it so clearly that you can boil it down in three seconds for somebody, but because it, it always you're leaving something out when you boil it yeah. down. But, but you know, it, perhaps when we started down this venture, it was a real big, foggy, blurry, abstract thought or target or something that we weren't quite aware of. And as you you know you start honing in on it more and more, I feel like we're getting closer and closer to that perfect, you know, yeah, concise way of doing it. But um, so we got reasons, which is funny though when you said that because one of the very first, uh, not very first things, but very early on, I remember we were working the late nights and doing it and everything. And maybe someone asked, maybe one of us asked the other person, like, why are we doing this? Like, what's the angle? And we we're just like, I don't know. But we're not going to stop. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why we're doing it. I don't know what the angle is. I don't know where this could go. But let's just keep going. Can't imagine not doing it. Yeah. But I mean, because like you said, you're de- one aspect of it is definitely going to be making stuff no matter what I'm going to be doing. Like I need to feel productive. I'm not like you, like you said, Noah, there's a ton of professions that would pay the bills, but I wouldn't be satisfied if I weren't physically producing something to bring into the world. Um, I think there's a lot of value and not enough people who are doing that, which is why we like producing things that help other people produce things too, because now it's kind of exponential. We're producing stuff and helping other people produce things. And so that's really satisfying. Yeah. That's a, a big chunk of it. Not only just like the, the making the thing, which is there's a lot of different stuff that goes into it. We make a lot of stuff. Some of it's a little more artistic. Some of it's a little more, you know, industrial, not quite as uh, artsy or something like that. And there's different satisfactions that come from those things, but then um, another, so we really like making things is one of the things. And then, Another thing for us is making things that help people is a huge thing. It's kind of like the second thing. So it's, you know, got to make something. It's got to help somebody. So. Yeah. So we already had jobs, though, where we made stuff. Um, so you were asking why 
what made us want to work even harder to kind of eventually leave that. And we weren't really in the mindset of trying to leave it at the time. Um, like I said, it was real vague in the beginning. We just felt like it wasn't enough. Um, we want to do something bigger. Like there was potential we felt within ourselves to not just be working for someone, but we had so many ideas that weren't coming to fruition because we were building someone else's ideas. And uh, we had to just start doing our own thing, I guess. I don't know. It was real vague in the beginning. and They're real vague. One thing too, you know, we, there's so many different aspects and little branches and stuff that go through, but um, that was the company I met uh, Eric at working for. That was the first like really large company I worked for. It, it's a real big corporation. I think when I started there, there was maybe 4,000, 5,000 employees and it might've, you know, ballooned up to nine or 10,000 employees at multiple different facilities. You know, there's only several hundred, maybe 600 employees at our facility. Um, but I did not like working for a big company. I had always thrived and loved working for small companies. And I thought I was going to enjoy some of the things that come along with the big company and they were fun, but um, I didn't, I did not like, I was not happy there. I was way happier at smaller shops, smaller uh, companies. It's too easy to hide in a big company, which you might think is a benefit. Like, Oh, I get to chill and cruise and don't get in trouble. But with the lack of, um, responsibility or lack of accountability is a lack of satisfaction too because yeah you're not going to get in trouble if you don't do well but you're also not going to feel the rewards of like doing something excellent yeah you're not going to feel relied on or needed or you know any of that stuff as much or feel like your talents are being used as much and it i didn't quite realize it at time but late you know later as we're doing our own thing we realized like oh you know, Eric might have had the thought that kind of kickstarted it was um, when you have a company with nine or 10,000 employees, you can't set everyone or almost any of those positions or really procedures that make a company procedures, make a company. How is someone or something going to interpret this decision? You have to make sure those all go the way you want them to. And for that to happen, you have to make everyone's decision for them. And you really need, you have to, you have to build those procedures or that job position or someone just off the street that is not a high achiever or is not um, someone exceptional that they can still satisfy your requirements and your company can keep moving forward. So um, they really define those positions just to um, reduce risk. Yeah. Just, you know, and so satisfy a baseline basically pretty much. Yeah. And they don't, they don't, they can't rely on someone being exceptional and very specifically our company i felt like they actually don't want you to be exceptional because now you start getting into weird you know bureaucracy and politics and stuff like this but um uh, so that was you know it's hard i I came from smaller companies i want to be i want to be exceptional and i didn't thrive quite as well as i thought i would with not having that responsibility and accountability and stuff i kind of was not as good as workers i wanted so that really did not make me happy yeah and uh, we're patriots in a way. We're proud of uh, American manufacturing, but so that was another aspect of it. We like making stuff here, but um, we wanted it to action because you can make junk here too. So um, we wanted to 
see if we had it in us to do what we always complained about was junk being made either too expensively or, um, you know, just expensively in the States or cheap overseas and see if we could actually find a middle ground here where, yeah. When we very first started our very, our like only goal was to build the most absolutely affordable, whatever it was that we could, you know, we, we kind of, we built a few things, uh, um, we helped the buddy do a, a actually first a, um, a power hammer first yeah. a little bit and then uh, then we did the grinder. But then we realized over time that affordable affordability wasn't the only thing to aim for. Like that wasn't very satisfying. Like we kind of realized through shows, like oh, what do we want people to say to us about our product when they come up to us? Like do they, we just want to be like, oh yeah, your stuff is the cheapest. It's so cool how cheap your stuff is. And we're like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not yeah doesn't make you very proud yeah. yeah there's a place for that and that's not but that's not what would make us proud though like yeah. if you were like oh that's cool i'm so happy you can afford that now like that's that's great that's fine if that's what you want but we we were tempted more especially too as some people be like why don't you guys just do this have you ever thought of that and it's like yeah we thought of that like we we think about this 24 7 of course we thought about it, it raised the price six dollars and that's nothing but if you do that 10 times or 100 times now the machine's another six hundred dollars yeah, so and, it's all compromises. It's all balanced. Kind of like the whip attachment that you just got, Noah. Like, I had multiple designs for that. And like you said, other people have integral grinding or waterfall attachments. But when I was looking at them and trying to decide, it was like, which one am I going to be proud of Like that is unique? And like you said, there's nothing else on the market like the one which is that we came out with, which is kind of what made the decision for us. It was like, it's a little bit more expensive way of doing it compared to some of the other designs, but um, it's just so much nicer that we're, we're actually solving problems with it. It's not just a cheaper version of what's already out there or just putting it out there because it's our name on something that someone else has already done. Um, it was like, got to bring our own, got to bring our own style, our own. We always use the term clever. You got to be clever about how you do it. It's not, not overly complicated to make a and I was going to use an analogy or something but you can throw a lot of stuff at it and that costs money whether it be labor or machining or all these different techniques but it's hard to be clever and give you something that might cost it's definitely cost more than the cheapest one out there that's for sure but the amount of money that you paid for the amount of value that you got is just unmatched that's what we try to that's the crossroad we try to land on yeah. So that's what makes us happy. That's that's what that's what we enjoy doing. Yeah, we get real excited when we bring solutions to make solutions available to people that were not available before. Yeah. Cause and that's why we've kind of aimed for the small shop market too, because you can like Kevin said, you can throw money at problems and that's why big companies don't have any problems buying the tools they need. There's solutions out there to do whatever you need to do if you've got enough money. But the tricky thing is being clever enough to make that stuff available to smaller shops. And that's another reason why we do what we do is because we find a lot of satisfaction in helping other small American businesses uh, make things. Make things. Yeah. That are also needed. It's like a weird like circle of life type thing. If you can make something that helps someone make something that's making something for somebody, yeah. you know, kickstarting this weird thing, which is like another I said circle, but everything's actually like a spiral. When you circle back around, are you in a better position or are you in a worse position? Because when you circle back around, if you're in a better position, you're spiraling up. 
if you circle back around and you're in a worse position, you're spiraling down. So it's, you can do the same thing over and over again, but just be slightly better when you come back around and now you're spiraling up. Good Lord. That was an amazing analogy. That's (laughs) awesome. I like that one. Yeah. We always say better than yesterday. It doesn't have to be perfect. Don't get frozen by perfection, but you definitely need to be improving compared to yesterday. And we think there's a lot of psychological aspect to that too, for the nation. We're talking, going back to the American thing is like, we feel like if we help more people make things that's so psychologically beneficial for other, like, um, I think especially men need it. Um, not that there's lots of excellent female makers, but I think on a society level, one of the things that gets us excited about we're doing stupid. What we do. We're men. We only know what men might want. Yeah. I only know someone like me <laughs> yeah. might want, so that's how we use the term, but yeah. But like what's going to bring them satisfaction too. And producing something that provides for your family, we think so can solve a lot of, uh, I don't know, issues that we're seeing socially of same thing like we talked about. Yeah. Like at the company, you know, I was working, I wasn't, I wasn't absolutely needed. It was, I wasn't relied upon to be exceptional and you could just, I could get by, I could keep my job there and keep my money by just being worthless, you know, which you know could be the same thing, but yeah, you want, you want to feel, needed and supported and want to feel like what you're doing and this you know feel like the stakes are real too yeah yeah every day i get up i have to get up every day i get up my family's life's better because i chose to get up and i chose to do this and xx you know yeah keep moving forward and now it's kind of evolved into why we do what we do too is it feels really good providing a workplace where we can give that satisfaction to the other guys here where they see that they're working in an environment where the stakes are real like if you don't show up and we're not shipping stuff, I might have to work at the truck stop next week <laughs> to make ends meet. <laughs> yeah. So I think everybody here working for a small company that's doing like real work, they get to feel that same. They get to have a share in that satisfaction, share in those victories or, and the fear of failure, which yeah. I think is what makes the victories real. If there's not that real sense of like, this could all go under if we don't do a good job. That's what, gives you that excitement when it goes well. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no, there's no real feeling of victory if it wasn't actually fought for and actually won. And there was actually a real risk involved. So I love that. I I love a lot of what you guys just said, the the spiraling upward analogy, especially, but the one thing that kept coming to my mind, you said clever, the, the word that kept coming to my mind was innovation or innovative whatever um when you guys are talking innovative. about people coming up in, in yeah. a, innovative thank you i'm stupid too uh coming up to you at shows and be like oh you're, you guys are the cheapest we love you because you're the cheapest well when i walked up to your booth i thought of you as the most innovative because i walked by a number of different booths that were making machines or, or whatever it is and obviously i'm a knife maker so i've shopped on every website that there is that sells equipment for knife makers and as far as I'm concerned, there's there's no one out there that's innovating to the level that you guys are. And that also kind of goes back to the, the manufacturing side that you're talking about. Because when I first started following you guys and I was watching all of your stories and, and the fact that you guys have all these machines in your shop and you're you're physically making these things like I, I want the listeners to understand that, like you guys are you're making these things. You're not ordering parts uh, 3000 a time 
from from China and then assembling them into the grinder that you make. Like these are all parts that you guys are putting together in your shop. This is true American manufacturing. And it, it, it got me excited about it. And that's what that's why I'm sitting here talking to you guys is because it's exciting to see that level of innovation in an American manufacturer doing what you guys are doing. And just the, the innovation, that, I mean, the the hyperdisc is a great uh, example of that innovation and the way that you guys have, like you're always saying, seen a problem, tried to try to, you know, fix that, solve a problem for somebody and the 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 versatility of that by itself um being able to you know quick change in and out i know we've we've talked about that machine a lot on this show um but being able to see it in person and seeing the seeing seeing the um the progress you know because uh eric you brought the kind of the first design that you guys had for the quick change coupler and Mm. how that you, I think I must have caught you at a lull because we were actually able to talk for a little while there, and you were kind of talking to me and telling me how the the evolution of of that project went, and it was so freaking interesting. I loved the scene, the you know the the first design and how that kind of changed into the second design and for what reasons and all that. And so I I just I absolutely love that, and I love the innovation, and I love the. Uh, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm a patriot. I love the American <laughs> manufacturing. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you calling it innovative yeah. stuff. I, uh, it, there's nothing new under the sun. So it always is hard to give ourselves credit for feeling innovative. It feels like everything's iterative in some form, but, uh, we, we do get really excited when like with the hyperdisc where we feel like each little micro th- piece of it isn't new, but we put it together in a new way that, um, no one else has done and it's that the the sum of its parts is new even if um, each individual component is recycled technology well and i think that's important i think that you know you're you're talking about different perspectives and i know that this is something that's always been huge in my life is is getting different perspectives because it's it's incredible how vastly different each person looks at the same thing and what they see the potential or drawbacks for. And that WIP attachment is a great example. Do people make waterfall platens? Yes. Do people make integral grinding jigs? Yes. Does somebody create a jig that has interchangeable radiuses for both the integral and the waterfall side? And can also be used as a regular small wheel attachment without removing any other components other than just moving a belt and also grind fullers at the same time. Like that, that's, that's, that's where I see the innovation is, is taking something that yes, already exists and, and looking at it and taking a different approach and, and making it that much better. Yeah. And it's tough because when you have an idea, sometimes you want to just come out with a solution right away because we've had talked to people for a while about like the hyperdisc in concept, not specifically the hyperdisc, but what people were telling us they wanted was so specific to their situation. You can solve their problem with what they're proposing, but they're not really um, thinking about from our side of things. We need to solve more than just your problem with something we come out with. So we'll sit on an idea for a while 
until um, we have an aha moment. We're like, okay, that solves that person's problem. But if we just do it this way, now we can solve a lot of people's problems. So like a lot of people were asking us for coming up everybody's always got some special jig they want specifically the, for making the style of knife that they make or whatever they do. But it's like, that's, it's not that it's a bad idea, but um, it would only be solving your problem. So a lot of people were asking for wire wheel attachments or disc sanding attachments. And it's just for the two by 72 and something just fell off for a while. We we're like, it just, what problem are we so- really solving? Like, and what people would say back to us is, oh, I've already got this motor in VFD um, for my two by 72. And I don't have bent, like, I don't have space for all these other tools. So we're like, I hear you, but something just wasn't sitting right with us. Like, it just feels like the wrong solution. Yeah. And it might, <clears throat> um, might work okay too, but it, it's also along with that, everything, everything costs something. So very specifically with the hyperdisc, what Eric's talking about, um, people asking for disc grinders, the disc attachment too. That's not cheap necessarily to just make an attachment that goes on your grinder. It's like, it seems like it's not, we couldn't make one for what we thought it was worth what it was worth. It's like, I wouldn't pay this. Like, I don't want to, we never want to violate our customer's trust and sell them something that isn't worth what it costs. <laughs> so yeah, we want uh, everybody's experience to always be like, absolutely worth it yes it was it cost this much but i got way more value out of it than i spent yeah and with that it was like when you're comparing a buffing attachment or a disc sanding attachment for a belt grinder to what it would cost for a bench grinder like you're not getting the full utilization out of it and that's when we had the aha moment of like okay people have a space problem and they're trying to utilize like a power plant for multiple operations. Yeah, they can't they can't afford to buy, you know, a disc grinder or sorry, a, a bench grinder for every operation they're trying to do. Yeah. Which is kind of why the two by seventy two is nice. You can buy attachments for, to do certain things that make sense. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you know, that's where I was just like, okay, this is it justifies, it warrants a you know, a second machine. It's not a two by seventy two thing. Yeah. Um it's a second machine, but this machine can do all of this. Yeah. We think that'll be, you know, might not be the cheap, but you're hopefully it'll be more of value to you than it costs you. Yeah. So you buy a couple buffing attachments at market because other people make them. And I think by the time you buy a couple of those, you're right up to the price of like a starter package for the hyperdisc with an, yeah. and then you have redundancy in your shop too, like where not everything is relying on that one motor in VFD. Like, where and that goes down, you can't do any work. Like, yeah, you're down. So, we think that we're trying to be good stewards of money people spend with us and offer a machine that we think is improving their shop, but also solving the problems people are telling us they have. Which is, I don't have enough space for all these different tools. And it's like, okay, well, this solves a big space problem. One thing we came up or heard that makes a lot of sense, and no offense to anyone out there, but we always want to hear everyone's problem. Um, and we heard it or somewhere we talked about it, but listen to their problem, not their solution. And it's not that they don't have good solutions, but it's, that's not, I mean, we're, we're going to know how we can, our solution is going to make sense to us. So I want to hear everyone's problems yeah. as much as we can. And we want to hear the solutions too, but yeah. 
because they're inspiring sometimes, but um, we just are always afraid that we're going to offend people when we don't take everybody's input about exactly how they think we should do stuff. Everyone is very generous and they talk to us and tell us their problems. And a lot of guys have made their own jigs or done certain stuff and it makes a lot of sense for them. We always, yeah, we always feel so bad when we're like, they tell us like, Oh yeah, you can make it, you can do it. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I feel bad even saying thank you so much. I'm not going it. to. Yeah. yeah. I had, I had one of those ideas I pitched to you and that was the response I got. And then after you said oh, it, okay. I was like, the magnetic drill press platform. So you can just slap a blank on and hit a button and it electromagnets to the drill press. So you hands free. I don't think that's necessarily ter- a bad idea. <laughs> Not necessarily. I have. Yeah, I got the magnet sitting right there. Yeah. You know how shit goes, though. I was going to oh, hook yeah. it up to M12 Milwaukee batteries because you can oh, wire them in series. Yeah. And then. What yeah. about what about, about the magnets of... that they already have for their surface grinder? Wouldn't those magnets work? Then it could well, be see, that's what, that's what I was going to say because Dennis Tyrell made me one that's just that. It's just a CNC piece of aluminum with neodymium magnets glued into it, and it's for my drill press. It, it could be done. We could do it differently. A second iteration that would work better, but I can get up to a quarter inch hole hands free. Nice. Oh, nice. Just slap it on, line it up, and go through. And then that way, if you get a jump, your hands are out of the fucking way. You're not going to eat it. Yeah. Um, no helicopter. No, that's that's big. And we talked we talked about a few solutions. Uh, even quite a while, we were still at GA when we talked about some of those the hold down devices and stuff. Yeah, we for drill presses. Keep coming around to that. I'd be surprised if we don't do something. There's a lot of stuff with the drill press there. Like, and one thing won't work for the other thing, and won't work for the other thing. Like, we're just gonna have to make a drill press with attachments or something because. There's all kinds of weird things you do. And yeah, drill press, like, when has someone changed the way the drill press has been? It's probably been the same since 1880 or some crap. Like, yeah. You put a yeah. piece here, you try to hold it with your hand, and you freaking drill it. Or, like, if, you, know, if you guys, if you do put it into production, I don't want any money, but will you name it after me? <laughs> <laughs> we'll change it 10% Please. and name it after Noah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> No, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we, we didn't we didn't hear from Ryan. Ryan, why do you do what you do? Oh, I've actually thought about this in great great detail. Um, and I've come at, I've come down to three three different reasons that are equally as powerful for me over the years. So the first one is I've I've worked a long line of dead end jobs, nine to fives, where you're toiling away to make some other guy's second vacation home. You know what I mean? And you can't even fucking afford food. I grew up poor, super poor. Um, and so that was always a, a, like a motivating stepping stone into my workaholism. Um, so that's one that's probably logic and monetary kind of mix into there. Um, and then there was like, I love making stuff and I, and even though it may not, it might not end up being as much money as working like a nine to five or using any of the trades I've learned in the field, it's all my money. Do you know what I mean? So like every, every penny of profit is profit that goes to me and my family in the shop and, and helping this business spiral upward as Kevin would say. 
Um, and then there's the selfish reason. And some people might not like this, but when you do what we do, you achieve a certain level of immortality. I, I've known countless people throughout my life who have died and people have forgotten about them a month later. And, you know, they'll never be brought up again after the people who knew them close are gone. But when you do what we do, all of our products outlive us. You, they're going to your grinders are going to be around four five, six hundred years from now. Somebody's going to have one. And, it, you know, it may be obsolete technology that would, doesn't even work on the whatever the future technology system is, but it'll be in somebody's attic. And I'll go, what was that? That was my great grandfather's Ameribraid. He used to make knives by hand. What an idiot. Like, you know, <laughs> and but our products will live on. Our knives will outlive us and our children and our even our grandchildren if we're good at it. You know, so that that was a big motivating factor, too. Like, I don't want to be forgotten. You know, yeah. I come it, it's a selfish reason and it's kind of like an elitist reason. And I'm not an elitist prick. I'm not like New York City, you know, like <laughs> I'm not. But it, it's uh, like my my ancestors were well-known people who lost everything. And it, it's like part of me is like, oh, I could get that back. I could be the one down the line to bring back the glory. Um, I don't think I'm going to, but it's always nice to think of in your head, you know, like, what if I do? Yeah. What if this grows way beyond, you know, what if, what if Ryan Chabor knife works grow, grows way beyond like what I can possibly physically do in this garage and I have to build another garage or I have to rent out a shop space or, you know, or I have to go through a rebranding. I come, I become so big. Because, you know, I mean, what if it's possible and a, a, a certain level of immortality drives me, you know, I was talking to my wife the other day and she goes, what if you died? Something totally unrelated to knives. She goes, what if you died? I was like, I got all these podcasts that you never listened to. So if I'm gone, you can go back and listen to hours and hours and hours of your husband ramble on after I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. It's always going to be here. They're never going to come down. It's always going to be there. So, yeah, we feel selfish can, about a lot of the reasons too, but I don't think it's bad to acknowledge those things. It, it's re realistic. It's humility. Isn't just looking down on yourself. It's, um, just seeing yourself accurately. And, um, I think it's humble to acknowledge the real reasons you're doing what you're doing and, um, strive to make yourself better and striving for immortality in a way where, um, you're doing good stuff. You're not doing anything immoral to reach that immortality. So it's not selfish in a detrimental way. It's acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Certain people, right. especially now, you know, with certain things like we're talking about, Eric said it's, it's good for, um, especially men, there's certain things, but yeah, for some reason, like legacy building is a bad thing. It's like, what if my legacy was giving homeless people a fucking job? Is that a bad thing? I want to be known for that. Like, no, that's fine. Um, not saying, you know, we're doing that, but there's certain things with legacy that are fine. Like you said, absolutely. Yeah. Well, these tools will be around for a long time. Not going to forget. Yeah, my name. And, and your descendants feel your legacy. My like, not to get all like weird and personal with it, but like my grandfather and my dad were both vicious drunk bastards. And so growing up, I had that legacy every because I didn't fucking know. How would I have known? But everybody in my family knew. 
So it's always growing up. You don't be like your dad. Don't be like your granddad. Don't do this. Don't do that. Um, and so like part of me wanted to break that cycle. And part of immortality is a legacy. You know, like nobody wants Hitler's legacy. You know what I mean? But everybody wants Eisenhower's legacy. So it's like you got to you got to pick what gets you there. Um, making is probably it might be a foolhardy uh, path to take, but it's very satisfying. And, uh, and it, it keeps me, it, it keeps me, uh, stimulated. I get bored very easily. Um, that's why, that's why I've done so many different like careers or trades or job paths because I'll get, I'll start it. I'll get into it. I'll master it. And then I'll get bored. That's just and called like, ADHD. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, it, it, you know, and I'll master it. I'll get bored. And then I'm like, I got to do something else. I got to figure something else out i gotta learn something new you know i don't think it's foolhardy i don't think you have delusions of it being like the next level of fame of like reaching the level of like a household name but i think it's honorable to reach a level like you said where you leave you're not starting from a negative place for the next generation for one like the best thing you can do is take care of your family to where the, you and your family are not a burden on everybody else around you like at least start there take care of your home like set up your your kids kids for success where they're not having to dig out of a hole and break a cycle that you are sending them right down the path into and then once you get there now you have the option of going even further and helping the other people in your community. Like Kevin said, offering jobs to people and, but you can't start doing those higher level goals. If you haven't even set a baseline of taking care of your own family, what point is it trying to go take care of the world when you're not even taking care of your kids? You know, right. So, you can't take care of anybody else. If you're not taking care of yourself, it's, yeah. yeah. You and know. there's some stuff there, but same thing, you know, and everyone starts at different spots, but yeah, if you were, if your bloodline was in a downward spiral, your grandfather made, you know, gave your dad certain traits, whether they're genetic or, uh, you know, through a childhood where he was drunk too. Now, do you keep spiraling your bloodline and your family down for your kids? Or do you stop it there and start, you know, start that spiral going back up again? And that's all you can do in a sense of a generational spiral. I left it better than it was. <laughs> that's, yeah. you know, boom, done. Yeah. All right. I love this conversation, guys. So it's it's interesting. So there's one thing that I, I, I keep coming back to listening to all three of you guys talk here. Last week, sorry, not last week, but last month was my, uh, Men's Mental Health Awareness Month, and we didn't talk about it at all on this show. And there's one thing that I get messages about that I talk about on this show. One of them is metal music, and the, the second is men's mental health. Um and I just want any, anybody who has reached out to me in person or uh, online to say that they appreciate me talking about it. Um, I, I, I want to say that I appreciate you reaching out to me. I don't always have the best words to respond when somebody says something like that to me. Um, but I want you to know that I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And I am very honored that anything that I would say would be in any way a help to you. And I, this, it might, my brain just keeps coming back to it in this conversation with this, this upward spiral. Um, those of you out there who have an issue with this 
or are struggling in any way, when you make a knife, you make it and you make it as good as you can. But at the end of the day, you're limited by what's in front of you. You're limited by your skill sets. And you always go back to it saying the next one's going to be better. And it's just like what Kevin was saying a little while ago. You're going to be better tomorrow. As long as you're better tomorrow, that's all that matters. The, the exact same thing is true of your mental health. Because your, your brain is used to running in the same way that it's always run. And if you get up in the morning and your head is a freaking spiral and you don't know how to stop that spiral, stop it 10 seconds faster than you did yesterday. Do something slightly better than you did the day before. You know, look at porn less, slightly less than you did the day before. Hey now, whoa, whoa. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing things out here. Okay. (laughs) Just throwing things out here. Do, do something better for your mental health, better than you did the day before, because all you have to do is work at it. The same way that you're working at, at making knives or making grinders or whatever your craft is, the same way that you're trying to get better and better and better at that craft, the same is the, it's the exact same thing with your mental health, because it's not just like either you're fixed or you're broken. Like it's not, it, you, you didn't get broken overnight. Maybe you did. I mean, that's not, I'm not saying that, that tragedies don't happen and that doesn't affect the way that we live because out of all the people in this world, I know that that is not the case. Um, but I just want you to know that nobody is expecting you to get better overnight. Nobody's expecting you to be perfect, but if you for yourself and for your family and the people that love you, you can try and, and do something slightly better today than you did yesterday and build on that. That's how you get that spiral going upwards. And if you can get that spiral going upwards, you're going to continue. You're going to continue to get better, whether it's at your craft, whether it's with your mental health or whatever it is you're dealing with. It's those small changes. It's those incremental changes. You might be crawling, but if you're crawling uphill, nobody can fucking stop you. And I'm proud of you. And I appreciate you guys sending me your messages. And I I hope that you guys are able to keep climbing and keep that spiral going upwards, not yeah, downwards. Yes. Hopefully, don't do what I do and be like, oh, man, I didn't even realize I was making progress. But look at how far I've come. Yeah. Yeah. And don't do what I do when it comes to your mental health. I'm a big bottle it all up inside and never bring it up again kind of guy. So I'm interested working alone. How does because I don't even like it's tough. I've gotten so spoiled now, like with my home shop. It's never empty. So um a lot of people, I think, get a lot of mental health benefits from building stuff, making stuff on the, alone, which I think you guys probably work alone most of the time. But, mm-hmm. man, I never – I always feel like just – it's a very social thing for me now. It didn't used to be. I used to do – I started woodworking before I was uh, did more uh, machining and metal stuff, and uh, that was always alone in my garage. But now it's like, man, I never want to go out on my own. It's, making is a very uh, – group activity for me. I, uh, it's very collaborative. Um, so do you guys even like making stuff with other people? It's probably tough with knives. I don't think I ever have (laughs) to be honest. I, um, it's, uh, 
It's weird. I think it stems from working in restaurants or corporate environments because like Kevin was saying with the red, uh, the procedures that they run these corporations with restaurants are no different. So like I'd be cooking and some fucking bean counter standing next to me and, you know, we get a point off because I squirted the sour cream in the wrong direction or something <laughs> like that. Or I did one extra shake of seasoning and that's legit. Those are things that I've been dinged for in inspections. And it's oh, like, it, it's like, get off my fucking sack. Leave me alone. Just let me work. And now that I'm in my own space, like it, it's weird too. The shop is like mine. It's my area. If the wife's being a bitch or the dogs are annoying me or whatever. And as soon as I come out here and that door shuts behind me, I'm like, ah, quiet. You know, it's just mine. Everything in here is mine. Nobody bothers me. Um, I can I can work as hard as I want or as lazy as I want, you know, depending on how I feel that day. And some days are better than others. Some days I get a obscene amount of shit done. Some days I get one thing done. And the rest of the time I was either like sweeping the floor or playing Call of Duty on my phone or watching TV. I got a TV out here. Big mistake, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah we put a TV up I, once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I got a flat screen and a recliner. There's a recliner behind me. And yeah, that's like, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, before you know it, an hour has gone by and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, man. I just been looking at my phone. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't typically do any knife work with other people. I would I would love to try it. Um, and I didn't used to think that because I used to kind of think the same way that Ryan does. You know, my shop is my space. This is this is my space. Everyone else can stay out of it. But the more that I meet more people in the community, the more I want to collaborate with other people. I've invited a couple of people up to my shop. Um, actually, shout out uh, David Burke, OLC Knives. When I was at the show the other day, he came and he brought me four giant bars of D2 steel. And he he had it and he wasn't going to use it. So he just brought it up to me and he brought me a whole bag of railroad spikes. I've been on a railroad spike kick lately too. So he brought me a whole bag of those. And so shout out to uh, David Burke. If you're not following OLC knives, that's one legged coot knives on Instagram, go give him a follow. Super clean work. Uh, we might do a collab in the future too. So uh, definitely go give him a follow. Kindest, gentlest dude. He's got really sick hair. Like I'm jealous of his hair. Like it goes, it's like down to here. And it's like, you know, like some guys that have like long hair and it's like, eh, that looks kind of feminine, bro. Like he's got a beard and that makes up for it. So it's just like, he, he's got this, this look, man, I'm a little bit jealous of it. So anyways, um, you know, I meet somebody like him or there's a, uh, another guy that lives, you know, close to me who, who uh, is a maker. And it's like, dude, come up and forge with me. You know, like, I don't, I don't know what that's like, but if somebody was to come up and forge with me, I would be honored. And um, I think it could be a lot of fun because, you know, when, when I was at Blade and we're talking with all these other makers that have so many different ideas, we're just bouncing ideas off of each other. And it was all theoretical in that situation. But if you were in a shop with somebody and you're actually making stuff together, I feel like the that could just be exponential, you know, because you're actually doing stuff physically together and making things. I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, my yeah. my only experience making anything with other people is when I first started making knives. My shop was set up at my work, so my my oh, boss was my right. boss was super cool. He he wired in a two twenty outlet for me so I could run the grinder and the oven and shit. Dang, and like awesome. ha half of my bench in the small engine shop was dedicated to knives. Um, but it was always like my idiot coworkers coming over and being like, 
What are you doing? One day I was grinding a bevel on my lunch break and my boss comes up and fucking nudges my arm. Oh, like, like, what are you doing, bro? He's like, you go phone call. I was like, what the (laughs) fuck, man? Yeah, not working with people with a shared appreciation for what you're trying to do. Yeah, Yeah. that's a little different. My uh, my midget friend, my my brother, my other brother, he's we call him our midget friend. He's like five, five. But uh, he turns pens and stuff and does woodworking and he overthinks everything everything if i was like take this knife apart jeff he'd be like take out this screw you just turn it just that screw you know like one of those guys um yeah. I, was, I was stabilizing one day and he's like bubble's supposed to look like that i'm like bro just get the fuck away from me just leave me alone <laughs> just let me do my thing come on man yeah. uh, so maybe i just have, I'm, I'm soured from it maybe it we it's hard because we want to you know being at maker camp too that's the whole thing you're there with other people you're making stuff that got us super inspired we wanted to do like some of our own events and stuff and then um some of the stuff we've done where we went and we show people how to make knives uh or, or make something that has gone well too because they're super like you could feel the energy and the confidence and everything coming from them that's such a good time uh you know when we show them that experience um but so getting back to what you're saying, um, if you're actually making something too, and we've been spoiled recently, we did an event and we got to make some stuff, but all crazy. And we're back. Sorry about that. Noah's kids dumped Kool-Aid in the router again. Oh my gosh. They didn't really. We just had a little technical issue. Technical difficulty. But uh, we were talking about uh, making with um, making with people and uh, how it would be a lot of fun. We have very pleasant experiences. Uh, it's been very controlled groups of people I think we get to make with. Yeah, people you respect and everybody wants to learn from each other. Yeah, so I imagine if we just opened it up to anyone, we might have different opinions. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, it's, but, that's probably true. Got- I've never made with a real maker. I've never made anything with oh, somebody. Well, there you who, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just got to go make stuff after Blade Show at a cool event where... Everybody was working on their own knives, but just being in the same space, you get to glance over, see what they're doing, ask a question, and see the process and see the outcome. I, I could see not just us learning, but I saw other people picking stuff up from each other. Like, yeah, I think Neil really looked down on Kydex before, and he may still, but I saw his eyes open up a little bit when he <laughs> saw the sheath that um, Andreas Kalani finished. Out of um, Kydex, yeah. He was like, oh, I could tell Neil just thought Kydex was dumb. And then... <laughs> it's definitely not as cool as leather. Um, it's not. Andreas elevated it by, like, coating it in some animal furs that he found on the farm there. Yeah. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, and that's like, how long would it take you to make a decent leather sheath? And how many more sets of tools, how much more information, knowledge, skills would you have to develop to be able to do nice leather work? Most people just don't. They just send their stuff out to specific leather. Yeah, people. It's a it's a whole other art form, and I wish that I was good at it. I have everything to do leather. I've got everything I need, but I suck at it. So it's like, <laughs> like I'm okay at making knives. So I can't put like a okay knife with a sheath that looks like a fucking five year old made it. You know what yeah. I mean? So. Yeah. And that's where sense where Kydex is. You know everything. Uh, everything we always talk about too, everything has a place. So even though leather might be, I'll say it's universally considered cooler. 
it's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, anyways, but it's got its. It, that's not true. Don't bust me up, people. Anyways, like Kydex definitely has its place. It's super. It can do a lot of things. It does stuff really cool. Um, it you know it's real durable, and I'm sure everything Kydex is good for. But one thing that I notice about it is you can make some stuff real quick out of Kydex with very few tools and a Absolutely. little bit of the skills you currently already have play right into that world and you could do fantastic stuff. So yeah, just going yeah. back to working with people. That was, uh, that was a fun event, but just working with people in general, we've wanted to figure out how to take advantage of that. Cause it's real magical. We enjoy working with people, yeah. especially like a limited, you know, hold like maybe specialty events or something, but uh, work with people on certain things. It, it's a lot of fun. There has to be a project that allows for collaboration where people can kind of have their input yeah. equally. Which much was a little different about the the kids camp we just went to that like you said, everyone was doing their own thing, but it was still just everyone was collaborating together, helping collaborate on their own stuff. So it was super cool. Yeah. So maybe we thought it was cooler than everyone else there. <laughs> yeah. We, we actually, were having a like, great yeah, time. We never get a chance to actually like make knives. I know that sounds crazy. We're on the podcast and everything. Like we're machine tool builders. That's what we do. That's what our skills are. Like things I was interested in and used to consider it a hobby that became a profession that I got decent enough at, like all of those skills go into making the actual tools, you know? So um, we never get that much fun to make that much time to make knives. So we're at an event. Um, we brought a lot of the equipment stuff for uh, kids to make knives at um, you saw, we were there at uh I can't pronounce anyone's name, but Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah. Uh, Cerrone, he, he holds, yeah. Cerrone. He holds a, uh, I never know if it's, I, I can't read stuff, doesn't matter. I wasn't sure if it was Cerrone or Cerrone, but um, I'm illiterate or something, dyslexic. So, <laughs> but he, I guess he holds a kid's camp for uh, uh, like 14 to 16 year old kids every year. And uh, so we went out there. Neil, Neil knows him. So Neil uh, got us hooked up and we brought a bunch of equipment and uh, all the kids forged some hatchets axes tomahawks throwing axes whatever we want to call them yeah and uh oh, yeah forged them, ground them and then uh made cheese wrapped the handles and everything and then they had a throwing contest with them i think yeah but in between that, all these other activities um we got a bunch of downtime and again just being workaholics like if we're sitting here not doing anything we're gonna start doing something so yeah i whipped up a a bevel grinding jig, new design, made it out of scraps. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And went over too. Yeah. got a new platen coming out, went over all the details with that. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that one. Please, yeah, seen, for the love yeah. of God, Eric, did you drop my name in Cowboy Cerrone's presence? I wish I could say I did, honestly, <laughs> but I did not. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Ryan's fanboying over here again. I fucking love that dude. I'm such a I'm such a fan of his. I don't follow fighting, so I, it was a little bit lost. The experience was a little lost on me. But once I was there, um, a lot of it kind of came into be like into my f- forethought of like who I was really around. Just being around his training octagon and the mat and all of his big. Um, posters from his fights from all the like pay-per-view like big banners they gave him afterwards yeah it's just like oh i'm around like another level of human being like he's a legend bro he's fucking 
If there's 7 billion and 50 people in the world, Cowboy Cerrone beats 7 billion of them. <laughs> like he, he's just like literally you were in the presence of a guy who could beat up everybody you've ever met in your entire life. And he's a, not a, an assuming guy. He's not humongous, yeah. you know, I mean, but and he's just so cool, dude. He's just, like the way he came across when he was in the UFC. Like I've always been a fan of his. And I've made a lot of knives for fighters and like just given them to him just to say like you own, even if it's a piece of shit, it's something I made that your hands have touched. And he's always been on that list. Yeah. Okay. I wish well, we got, got to interact with him more, but didn't a ton. Yeah, I didn't. He's, he was busy, but uh, we definitely got to talk to him some, but you could tell he's super cool and humble though. Just his lifestyle and his ranch there. And he, he had a few minutes when the kids weren't doing something that he had to go take care of. And uh, yeah. Real quick on him. If also he, uh, he's a cave diver. So he goes underwater scuba diving in caves and he went on, he's a great storyteller. He went on Joe Rogan and told this story about like one of the cave dives he went on where he almost died. And it like the way he tells it is fucking epic. Like everybody should go and it's, it's an older episode of Rogan. It's like over a few years old. Um, but right. find that, find that story on YouTube. It's fucking good. Yeah. yeah. Will do. Ryan, Absolutely. We've, we've been talking for a while. We probably need to hear from one more sponsor. And then I have something I want to ask Eric before we head into the after show. Okay. Sounds good. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle and Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Luke. Hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode where we were talking to the guy who does all our ads, Luke from Crafty Man Forge. Shout out to him again. And yes, uh, Phoenix Abrasives, they have a uh, 4th of July sale going on right now, which will get you a little bit better discount than the usual Hustle 10. So I don't know if that'll still be going on when this episode airs, but if it is, get yourself over to Phoenix Abrasives and get everything that you need for knife making abrasive wise. Everything that you're going to put on your Maribor grinder. There you go. Um, so, Eric, you said something about a, a new platen design. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that something that you can talk about maybe on the after show and kind of give us some little, little bit of details? Yeah, on? I guess each time we'll, we'll be on, we'll give a little tease in the <laughs> after show of something new coming out. Fantastic. Um, so while we're on the main show, I just have to ask. So I just got a comment on my uh, my Instagram post about that unboxing, and someone was very disappointed. Uh, shout out to Timber Tiger Forge here, actually, because I can I can name him. He's a cool guy. We love we love Timber Tiger. Um, he was disappointed that uh, it wasn't a flamethrower inside the box. Is that something that we can expect to see from a mirror braid in the future? Um, not for sale. Not for sale, but. We already maybe we'll bring I, one to the golf tournament. We make a lot of stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we should That's definitely like, within the realm of what we would make. So yeah, like we I'm do. Not if you guys want to talk about it, if the people want to stay, if they go behind the paywall, I'm not sure what you call it into the 
section. Like we're designing a uh, playground set right now. Um, we're about to whip up. So yeah. we got that. Is this, an, is, is this an adult playground or like a, a children's playground? Uh, both. Both. But like children, not for children to be adults. We're really bad too at making anything just one like just one of anything anytime we start with something we're like if we're gonna do this like might as well design it where we could if for some reason somebody else wants one we can make a few thousand of them yeah so we're kind of designing a modular playground set out of frustration of how terribly uh built the off the shelf ones are they're really expensive but they just go to costco they're like four or five ten grand and they last like two, three, four years, you know, you go try to move one or something that's for sale for a hundred bucks or something. It just like falls apart, falls apart. So, um, we want this thing to be good for life. So that way the kids can experience it for the next three years. And we also want this to, uh, part of it is it's kind of an add on. It's not part of the same modular system, but part of the same conversation we were talking about, a pendulum motorized airplane. Oh yes. Flying around from suspended cables in Kevin's backyard. Yeah. 50, 60 feet in the air. So that way the kids get the real, you know, the real thrills of flight with some of the, <laughs> I like that. All the dangers. So, I'm so this really modular hoping. playground system, how, how is this going to be like marketed and sold? Is this going to be like wood? Is this going to be metal? Like, how are you going to make this a, this thing? Oh, a reality? It's all laser cut tubing. Yeah. It's all laser cut and press break and metal and everything. And then, we're probably not actually going to sell them. We make everything as if we could sell them, but we, it's really just for ourselves. It's just for ourselves. You will not see them on a, you will not see them on a Maribraid or anything, but we always, we can't, we can't help ourselves, but make it possible to make. Yeah. Yeah. Eric and Kevin's fantasy factory. Okay. Got it. This is going to be good because I was going to bring up dicktrinkets.com on the after show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bring that up too. There's so much to talk about there just business wise. I, I haven't heard such a good, I haven't heard a good idea ever. It's, um, I would say you could probably go on Shark Tank, but they would probably fight one another just to be the first investor in that one. Oh, you're saying you haven't Where heard of an idea? Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I, I stumbled over my words there. I was so in shock remembering the good yeah. idea that is <laughs> Dick Trinkets.com. I, I can't. I can't tell if you're mocking me or if you're fully on board. I can't tell. <laughs> uh, I am both. <laughs> like, you got to have fun with that idea. If you can't have fun with a good dick trinket, then this website isn't for you. Right. And like Richie and I's idea, we want to push it, push it, push it, sell. You know what I mean? <laughs> Make a quick buck get into something else. Maybe we'll do cock trinkets and just rip off our own original idea and do it again. You never know. <laughs> you won't need to. Once you get into that and you start seeing every, once you learn some and you start seeing, you'll have so many ideas. You won't need to go back to that. Hmm. Well, there you go, guys. So new platin and then also uh, Dick trinkets talk in the after show. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, if you're a patron, then you can get all of that. You you're gonna enjoy every last drop of that delicious conversation. Um, if you're not a patron, you can go to patreon.com. Whereas for as, as little as one dollar a month or ten dollars and eighty eight cents a year, if you want to just throw it all in a lump sum, you can get every single one of our after shows, past and present. You can listen to all the old ones. 
I don't know why you would, but you could. And uh, you can listen to this amazing <laughs> conversation with Eric, Kevin, and me and Ryan uh, coming up here very shortly. Uh, we love all of our patrons. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we're going to try and remember to actually shut you guys out um, on the main show. Why don't uh, we, we just do it right now? Oh, let's do it right now. Let's do it right now. You can name all the people that are going to listen to this wonderful conversation. Three I mean, of them all are in, three of them are on this show. Good Lord. You're still a patron, right, <laughs> Noah? Yeah, so that I can uh, interact with the peoples. Payment declined. Who got their card declined? Publicly Uh-oh. shame them. Do not publicly shame them. Don't you dare. <laughs> I won't. I won't. All right. So we got Reese McVicker, James Buck, Matt Bicker at DIY Europe, Matt Baldwin at Baldwin Blades, Brent Dignam, that's Cross Peen Forge. He was on recently. Ameribraid. Thanks, guys. Travis Haynes at Bird Forage, Colin of Hayworth Handmade, Jeremy Ballaball of 419 Forging, Wood by Moeller, Alexander Sloat at Devlin Forge, Brian Hunt of Hidden Rose Forge, Will from Maine at Spruce.Hill.Studio, B. Cone, Jared Weaver, Weaver's Custom Metalworks, that's the Master of Metal Manipulation on Instagram, Maximus Knives, Ira Housework, Timber Tiger Forge, Darren at Stormlight Forge, Sourwood Creations, Echo Blades, Tortuga Bladeworks, Crafty Man Forge, Noel Bloomberg, Driver Defense Knives, Maritime Knife Supply, Pattern Nostri Fabrica, Trox Claire Custom Cutlery. I said it right that time. Good job. <laughs> Tyrell, Dennis Tyrell at Tyrell Knifeworks, Todd Harrington, Mark Vanderwerf, Mark LeBlanc, Brigham Kindell, Aru Bladeworks, KnifeMaterial.at, and Donnie Dulovich. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Hey, everyone that he just said a name, tell a friend, too. I'm going to tell another friend. And we're going to get a few more friends over here. We yeah. appreciate that. We'll have, to just... have a, uh, we'll have to have a Hustle and Grind Patreons uh, makers Party. event somewhere. Next time we're out somewhere that way with our show rig. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not convinced. Doesn't sound like they like making stuff together. Yeah, so I don't know. If they want to. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. I don't know about Ryan, but I I'm there. Right. I'll be there. I'll be there with bells on. All right. Well, I like, thanks to everybody I like learning, and you guys can teach me stuff. I love learning. There's yeah. nothing better than learning something new to make you better. So, anyways, thank you guys for listening. We're gonna head over to the after show. Hope you all have a excellent week working. Don't forget to DM me why you do it. And I will uh, make sure to read uh, as many of those as I can uh, on probably not this show, but the week after. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' responses and I think it'll be a great conversation. So appreciate you guys listening. Have a good week and we'll catch you on the next show. Thanks guys. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank it's- you to Eric and Kevin for coming on. Always, always a treat. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Go by Liquid IV. Hustle 10 is a promo code for 20% off.